Hello, everyone. Welcome to And Let's Be Heard for Friday, April 1st, 2022. I'm Mike Cachopoli. Well, we made it to the end of another week. Another week. End of another week. And hopefully the last I'll have to talk about <laughs> the Wills. You know, I was going to think of some clever April Fool's joke. And I couldn't think of one. I didn't know what the joke would be. <clears throat> but I was going to think of some funny April Fool's thing to say, and I just couldn't think about it, so I couldn't think of one that was... So let's just... Let's hope that people can go through the day today without not having to deal with April Fool's jokes constantly. Constantly. You know, some of them are pretty good, where you think it's a, a real thing, and then you find out, of course, you remember, oh, it's April 1st. Well, how did that start? How did April Fool's Day start? I wonder. I don't know. But um, one thing that's not one thing that's not phony, one thing that's not phony, is I think the, the the belief that many of us have that there is a system in place in this country for the one percent and the ninety nine percent, and this is why many of us, including myself, you know, people ask me, Mike, we listen to your show, we we know you. How how were you ever a Bernie supporter? How did you vote for Bernie Sanders twice? We listened to your show. You're like, everything you say would make us believe you never voted for Bernie Sanders. Many people thought I voted for Donald Trump, and I've never voted for Donald Trump. But the one thing that, that uh, if, if there are people out there who are libertarians, or I know a lot of my listeners are, 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 are right-leaning, but what – I think you can understand – that this whole idea of the 1% versus the 99% is very powerful. And it, in a lot of ways, it's not made up. In a lot of ways, it's not made up. Um, I mean, it's not made up when it comes to the economy in many ways. It's not made up when it comes to healthcare. It's not made up when it comes to the elites, the privileged. Um, it's not made up when it comes to those who were benefited during COVID and those who were hurt further during COVID. So a lot of it makes – and that's one of the things I talk about that really pissed me off with progressives is that how the 99 percent were totally, totally hurt by COVID regulations and mandates and the 1 percent didn't touch them at all. In fact, the 1 percent did much better. And it was always the progressives that talked about, Bernie Sanders who talked about the 99 percent and the 1 percent, much more than anybody on the right. And yet it was the people on the right mostly, mostly – during the, the two plus years of COVID that have defended that have defended the ninety nine percent and talked about how much these COVID regulations and mandates have hurt the ninety nine percent while the one percent get by scot free, such as people in Hollywood who have these mansions, who didn't have to work for two years, who could have worked from home because they're writers, or directors who d- developed their films while they were sitting in their homes, in their beautiful Hollywood homes. So there were a lot of people, the CEOs of movie companies, that were not affected by the mandates the way everyone else was. For those people, there was an inconvenience. Yeah, wearing a mask in the few places they probably had to because I'm sure they were known in some places and they didn't have to wear masks. In a lot of places, the regular people in, in Los Angeles had to wear masks. Or the same thing with vaccine passports. You're known, so don't worry about it, right? We know you. Don't worry about it. So this was a constant thing during COVID. And we've seen it again. Now, just so I want people to understand, people, you know, we're coming up on 90 shows here. I'm coming up on, on 90 shows 
Next month, we'll hit show 100. We'll hit five months of shows. And I want people to understand why I voted for Bernie Sanders twice. And why, of course, everyone knows why I'm so pissed off at him and progressives over the last two plus years. To the point where I won't vote for a Democrat ever again. Ever again. However long that may be. And there are plenty of people like me. But this Will Smith thing, and I really don't, I'd rather not talk about it anymore after today. I know I've said this a few times, but I probably will because there's new information that comes out. And the more information that comes out, the more we see this is about privilege, right? First, we just, just our eyes showed us it was about privilege, right? That a guy like that can go slap someone, a performer on stage and sit back down and win an Oscar. So that, that reeks of privilege right there and make a teary-eyed speech and get an ovation and have people cry along with him. That reeks of privilege right there. Whereas if it were uh, anyone else, say it was a Trump supporter who went up and and smacked Chris Rock, what would the Hollywood elite think about that? Would they give him a standing ovation? But now we had a couple pieces of information which showed that it's even more about privilege, such as the Academy asked him to leave. They asked him, no, please leave. And he said, no, I'm not leaving, probably knowing he was about to win an Oscar and he wanted to be there for it and would have been embarrassed, and rightfully so, if he weren't there. But they just asked him. You or I would not have been asked. We'd have been dragged away. Not just dragged away, but arrested. And that's the next thing we just learned. Yesterday, we just learned that the police offered to arrest him. Offered to arrest him. And I guess the people in charge of the Oscars said, don't arrest him. Would the police have offered to arrest you and I? Offered? No, they would have. just arrested us. They wouldn't have asked to arrest us. They simply would have done it. If that were a guy at a comedy club going up and smacking the, the, the comic, he would have been dragged out and arrested. So we know this is all about privileged. This is about the 1% and the 99%. And there are a lot of actors like Will Smith. He comes from Philly, right? And Denzel Washington comes from what? the uh, uh, Washington Heights and so on and so forth. They like to talk about these things. So they were part of the 99% at one point, but they ain't anymore. And they try to kind of pretend they still are, but they're not. They chose not to be. It's just the profession they're in, the money they make, puts them automatically in the 1%. I don't, it doesn't put them in the, in the echelon of billionaires, right, and, and you know, and uh, oligarchs, but it puts them in the echelon of multimillionaires and basically the 1%. So it, 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 that, that happens, and a lot of them try to fight that. And try to beg and plead and show how much they're still part of the 99%. You know, I come from the 99%. That's what they should say. Instead of saying I come from Philly or I come from, you know, uptown Manhattan, they should say I come from the 99%, but now I'm in the 1%. And it proved that. When Will Smith was in Philly, part of the 99%, he would not have been able to do that to somebody and not get arrested and thrown out. But now that he's part of the 1%, he's able to get away with it. So this is, the, this is what drew me to, to, to the progressives and the Bernie Sanders campaign. Of course I want to fight the one. Don't you want to fight the 1%? The 1% is made up of a lot of vile people. Not all vile. Not all vile, but a lot of very vile individuals. So yes, it's, it's you know, but I think you have to put your, your money, let's say, where your mouth is. And when you're talking about the inequality you have to follow that through with everything, even if it's like a virus that you're scared of. Even if, it's, even, if you're being, even if you're scared of your own health and well-being, you still need to be consistent in your beliefs and your morals and your values. 
and Bernie Sanders and most progressives and most on the left were not. Were not for two plus years. And still aren't on a lot of issues. Look, I'm not saying that everyone in Hollywood on the left is an asshole and, and likes Will, Will Smith did and, and, you know, backs Will Smith. Initially, there were some people who did feel bad for Will Smith or understand Will Smith. And that kind of gone away for the most part. But there are still race hucksters out there like Whoopi Goldberg who said, you know, initially said the, the Academy did the right thing by not dragging out the black man. What she really means is the privileged man. And it's about privilege, not race. There were two people in that altercation. Neither of them were white. The victim was, was black, in fact. The victim was a victim of black-on-black crime, which, of course, the, the left and the, and, and the African-American community doesn't talk about much either, do they? So this 99% versus 1% thing, I mean, it could be carried through all the way. If any one of the 99% in, in the 99% were, were, were Will Smith in that situation, they would have been dragged out and arrested from any venue, whether it's the Oscars or a comedy club, someone's home, a, a bar, a restaurant, wherever it may be, a street performer, but not in this case. So, uh, you know, after getting all this information, after finding out that Will Smith was asked to leave and didn't, and now, you know, the police were going to arrest him, but they didn't, you know, I, I think that, I think it's gotten to the point now where privilege is so incredible and is so disgusting that this guy needs to have his Oscar taken away from him. Yes, even if it sets a precedent, and you can cry about Cosby not having his Emmys taken away and Harvey Weinstein not having his Oscar taken away, you can cry all about that. But I think a new precedent has to be set now about privilege. Weinstein, Cosby and Smith are black. Weinstein is a Jewish white guy, old Jewish fat white guy. It's about privilege, not race. And this, I think, I think there has to be a time, there has to be a time where the privileged get what's coming to them when they do something wrong. There has to be some kind of equality, okay, outside of, of – of, uh, we talk about racial equality all the time, right? We talk about gender equality all the time. We talk about trans rights. We don't talk about the right of the 99%. We don't talk about the privileged rights and the, the, the equality that needs to happen between the privileged and the not-so-privileged. That we never talk about. Right? It's not a hot-button issue like race and gender and sexual orientation and, 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 and trans issues. But it's equally important, if not more, I say much more important, actually. Because we live in a country, in a world, really, but in a country especially. There are some countries that are worse offenders. There are some countries that are less offenders. But we do live in a country where it's really about the privileged and the not-so-privileged. If you don't want to say 99% and 1%, it's the privileged and the not privileged. And so we see what happens when the privileged get their way. We see what happens. And Jim Carrey is right. Jim Carrey is right. He said he was disgusted by the ovation, the standing ovation for Will Smith winning an Oscar 20 minutes after he slaps the guy. And it's just, it, it's just amazing how the, how the privileged protect each other. The privileged protect each other, and they always will. So at some point, there has to be a reckoning. At some point, there has to be a reckoning, you know? And I think if they want to be some kind of a peaceful reckoning, 
then the 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 ninety nine the one percent has to govern themselves in a way, and we need to see the academy take Will Smith's Oscar away. We need to do that. We we need to have them say that not we're not going to have privilege. We're not going to when privilege is not going to rule the day this time. That there's going to be justice, right? There's going to be some kind of of a real justice, not a slap on the wrists. Uh, you know, you can't come to the Oscars next year. So who cares? If he wasn't nominated next year, he might not be there anyway. That's baloney. That's bullshit. That's not a punishment that you can't come to the Oscars, Nick, for one year. No, I think his Oscar needs to be taken away. He needs to be banned from the Academy. Totally can never go, can never be nominated again. That's it. And I don't want to see what I don't want to see, actually, because I, I want to be very consistent about this. I don't believe in the woke or the canceling. I don't want any canceling of Will Smith, all right? I didn't believe in the canceling of Kevin Spacey, all right? I don't believe in the canceling of people where their careers are over. I think Will Smith should still get to work. People should go see his films. But this can only be put behind him if he gives up that Oscar and is not allowed in the Academy anymore. Then it can be put behind. That, I think, is sufficient enough punishment for a slap. For the situation that happened. But unless that happens, then, you know, I think people are always going to be thinking, do I want to see another Will Smith film? I think what Will Smith should have done, which he'll never do, is give the Academy, give the Oscar back. Give the Oscar back. That's what a real man would do. Say, I don't deserve this after what happened. I want to show I'm not a privileged asshole. I'm not an elitist prick. I want to show I'm, 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 I'm Will from Philly. And I'm going to give this back. But of course, he's not going to do that. I mean, he wouldn't even leave the ceremony because he wanted to give his teary Maudlin speech playing the victim. So that's that. I didn't mean to spend the first half of the show on that, but you know what? The end. The show's going to end with a movie review, so why not spend the first half on, on Hollywood? But that's the situation. It was the. It was actually the police. It was the police thing that got me going today. Where every day we're learning more and more about privilege. Right, being asked to leave, not the police asking if they can arrest him, which is was beyond ridiculous. The police need to do their job and arrest people when they commit a crime. All right, from, uh, from Will Smith to someone I hate much, much more. There's actually no comparison between the two. Uh, Anthony Fauci. Let me cue this up. Oh, I, I didn't have it ready. Uh, but what this is, and I want to thank Clay Travis for posting. A few people posted, but Clay Travis is one of them. This is Tony Fauci talking years and years ago about the flu. And he was asked... He was, he was asked by the, by the interviewer that someone he knew had the flu. A woman had the flu. Does she need a flu shot now? She's had the flu. Does she need a flu shot? Here's what Anthony Fauci said. Long time ago. Uh, but she's had the flu for 14 days. Should she get a flu shot? Well, no. If she got the flu for 14 days, she's as protected as anybody can be because the best vaccination is to get infected yourself. And so she, she if, not she get re- if she really has the flu, if she really has the flu... She definitely doesn't need a flu vaccine if she really has the flu. She right. should not get it again. No, she doesn't need it because the, it's, the be, it's the most potent vaccination is getting infected yourself. 
The most potent vaccination is getting infected yourself. So he used to talk about the value of natural immunity when it came to infections. So what happened? What happened between then and now with Tony Fauci? Well, one could say money happened. One could say he became a big pharma shill. It's obvious he wasn't the sh- uh, quite the shill for big pharma. And he did things during the AIDS crisis, which showed he was kind of a big pharma shill, not as bad as now. But this is him saying, you don't have to get the flu shot. I don't know why they call it a vaccine. It really, it's just a shot. But uh, they, they, you don't need to get a flu shot if you've had the flu. Because you have natural immunity. And the best kind of immunity, he said, this is in Tony Fauci's words, natural immunity is the best. To get something, to get the virus, is the best immunity. And how many times in the last two years, you go, oh, you don't want to get, no, you don't want to get the virus. No, 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 no. No, no, no getting viruses. You don't want to get viruses. You want to get the shots. Even if you had the virus, you want to get the shot. How many times has he said that? So not just one shot, two shots, three shots, four shots. Tony Fauci has never once said, forget the first two shots. He's never once said if you've had the virus, if you've had COVID, you don't need the third shot. And he's not saying you don't need the fourth shot. But back then he was saying you don't even need one flu shot if you've had the flu. So obviously money corrupts. And throughout Tony Fauci's 40 years, 45 years, the NIH, he's become more corrupted as he's gotten older. He's become more corrupted the more money he's made. He's become more corrupted the more popular he's been. He's gotten more corrupted the more friends he's made at Big Pharma. This is obvious. That's the answer. Say I'm young. I'm, I'm, I'm 35 and I'm just starting out, right? I don't have all these connections to Big Pharma. I don't have all these friends. So fuck them. Who cares? I'm going to say the right thing. I'm going to say what a doctor would say. Not what a big farmer shield would say, but then time goes by, and I meet Joe B and Johnny C and Cheryl I and this one and that one who works at Big Farm, and I become friends with them, and their lavish lifestyles are fun, and I'm part of it, and I'm not making 80000 anymore. I'm making a half million a year, and this is what happens. Maybe I'm going to give a speech in front of Big Farmer. They're going to pay me 50, 60 grand to do that every time I do it. I'm not going to fuck with them. I'm not going to fuck with their profits. I'm going to help them make more. So this is the obvious answer. Corruption. <laughs> Just like a pol- this is why we need term limits. I mean, there should be term limits for every government job, whether it's NIH or Congress. This is why you need term limits. You'll have less corruption. Well, you have no corruption? No, some people are corrupted to start. But you'll have less corruption because people become corrupted. The more time they spend in those institutions, they become more corrupted. Everyone no, but a lot of them yes. So this is what we need to we need we need term limits just to simply stop the corruption. Maybe we'd get the real Tony Fauci. Maybe we'd get Tony Fauci, and then we get the guy who comes after him, and the person that comes after them, and the woman that comes after him, and maybe there would have been four or five people in that position over the years, and they would be real doctors who were not corrupted. But here he is in his own words, in his own words on C-SPAN. A much younger Tony Fauci <clears throat> saying, you don't need a flu shot if you've had the flu. 
And that goes, that's, yes, immunology 101. It doesn't matter if it's the flu or COVID or Omicron or QAnon or whatever you want to call it. It's the same thing. It works for every virus, every disease, same. They're all the same when it comes to this. Natural immunity is the most effective immunity. If this was the plague, if this was the plague, which means you get it, you die immediately, you have no chance of survival, then of course you don't want to get it because <laughs> your natural immunity is death. But of course we know that's not the case with the flu and it's not the case with COVID and it's not the case with any disease known to mankind at this point. So yes, so yes. And I'm sure Tony Fauci back then would have said, the, would have said you're, you're, if you're 45 and healthy – don't worry about getting the flu. If you're 85 and not healthy, you might have to worry more about getting it. And it's the same thing with COVID. If you're 45 and healthy, get it. Don't worry. You'll have natural immunity. If you're 80 and unhealthy, mm, got to be more careful. If you have diabetes or you're 400 pounds, mm, got to be more careful. But that works for everything, including the flu. So Fauci's obviously been corrupted. And the only answer, like I say, is limit the terms of people that work in a government position. But 1.4 million people have seen that at least. It's probably several million people have seen that video. <sighs> will anybody, I'm going to watch now, will anybody, will any media person who interviews Tony Fauci every friggin' Sunday bring that up, show him that video? What will he say? He'll say something like, I mean, there's no, there's no way to avoid that. He said that, right? It's on tape. But he'll give some bullshit about how COVID is much more dangerous and you don't want to get this, not like the flu. But of course, it's, we know the mortality rate. We know it's not the case. And for young people, it's less than the flu. For kids, it's much less than the flu. So we're full of shit. Once again, if you want to talk about older people and the immune compromised, fine. But not for most people. Just like with the flu, not for most people. The answer is corruption. That's not the answer he's going to give. The answer is shill big farm and money. That's not the answer he's going to give. But let's see if anyone in the media even brings this up. Tim Russell would have. And then once Tony Fauci bullshit him about mortality rates, and all that, and Tim Russell can bring up those facts too. But no one's going to do that anymore. No one's going to do that anymore. And unlike the flu... We've had so many more studies now, independent studies, like from Johns Hopkins, like Marty McCary. They've done studies about natural immunity and COVID. Now, the government hasn't because the government doesn't want to, because the government doesn't want you to have that information. But private universities have done it. And we know, as John Hopkins reported two months ago, 99% of people that had COVID have at least have an average of around two years of immunity. The vaccines don't come close. We're lucky if these vaccines give you two months of immunity. So that's Fauci. A couple of more COVID facts. Oh, here's this. How about San Francisco Bay Area residents are growing even more dissatisfied, the poll says. No kidding. Oh, oh, got to bring this up. Then I'm going to do two quick tweets and go into the review. Um, I'm, uh, uh, last week I mentioned uh, the, the, uh, the people leaving big cities like New York and, and San Francisco. And the numbers were, aren't even, were lower than they actually really were. We know now that just in the year, just last year, just in 2021, so this doesn't even include March of 2020 until the end of 2020 or the first three months of 2022, just 2021, just last year, 
We know that about 350,000 people have left New York and about 140,000 people have left San Francisco. Think about that. For San Francisco, for New York, obviously, it's a lot of people. When you're talking about over a quarter million people leaving in a year. But for San Francisco, that's 140,000 out of 800,000 that live here. That's a huge chunk. What is that, like 15%? A huge percentage in one year leaving. And I'll talk more about that next week. But that's what's happened to Democrat-run cities during COVID. Period. Gavin Newsom wants to talk about how great California is, how much better than Florida is. As as Ron DeSantis said, why is everyone moving to Florida? Why is everyone going to Florida on vacation? If it's such a disease-ridden shithole, why does everyone want to live there? By the way, 100,000 more Republicans and Democrats now in Florida. The first time it's got that. It's the first time it's gotten to 100,000 more Republicans and Democrats. Oh, yeah, because people just want to live in California. Okay. Actually, I think I'll save these couple of tweets for next week. Yeah, okay. They're just basically about uh, COVID restrictions and how <clears throat> the states without them did much better than the states with them. We know, we know all that. But in the last five minutes, we'll go back to Hollywood. I should have had when I did film reviews on. Uh, WABC Radio on uh, Jay Diamond show on WABC Radio in the 90s. We used to intro it every Friday with uh, Hooray for Hollywood. That was my intro song. I should stop playing that again for my intro song. Um, but the film I just saw recently is called Morbius. And this is another comic book <clears throat> character that's made it to the big screen. And he's played by uh, Jared Leto. And I think the most impressive thing about Jared Leto is this, they, you know, playing these characters who are uh, like in the house of uh, Gucci, right? He's uh, fat and balding and in Morbius he's skinny, part of the film that he's ripped in the other part of the film. So another guy who likes to play with uh, his body composition when it comes to roles and really get into them. Um, I, I have to look into the uh, house of Gucci. I, I would think that's more of a fat suit. I can't believe he gained all that weight, but it was fantastic. He was fantastic in the House of Gucci. This film, <clears throat> he they don't give him much to do here, except growl and go between being the kind, gentle Doctor Morbius, Michael Morbius, and a basically vampire slash bat. Uh, basically, Michael Morbius, his character is has a crippling degenerative body condition that he's had since a kid in which he needs constant blood transfusions and he walks with a cane and has obviously no strength, very weak. And he's trying to find a cure for this. And happening upon the cure, it's almost like a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde thing. He he uses this treatment on himself and it goes awry. Oh, it gives him plenty of energy, but he becomes a vampire that has trouble controlling his instincts. Uh his best friend, Milo, played by Matt Smith, who he met when he was a child, um, and he's known all the way through adulthood, is another person with the same affliction. And upon knowing that uh, Morbius has found this elixir, blood elixir, which makes him strong and uh, and, uh, and 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 strong and hold on a second, guys. Sorry. Do you see what just happened here as I'm talking? As I'm talking, Alexa comes on. Do you hear that? Do you hear that? As I'm talking, Alexa comes on. Now, why does that happen? Why does that happen? I didn't say Alexa, did I? 
I said Michael Morbius. I said Milo. Does Milo sound like Alexa to you? Hey, that's a little bit of uh, of live, not live. Don't want to edit <laughs> podcast. There you go. So we're not going to say her name anymore. What did I say that was even close to that name? Did I say anything that was close to that? Oh, I said elixir. Uh, that's what I said. I said elixir. Okay, potion. Anyway, sorry about that interruption, but Michael Morbius gets the potion, and it turns him basically into a vampire. And he needs blood in order to have that strength. Uh, but the problem is, of course, is that it makes him want to kill people. And it gives him superhuman strength. He, he knows this is a curse, and he has to reverse it. He has to try to find the, the cure for the cure. But Matt Smith... Milo, his friend, doesn't care. He's tired of being weak. He wants to be strong. He wants to be... He wants to have energy. He loves that it gives him new life and this power that he's never had before and the strength he's never had before, and he doesn't care. He doesn't care that he might kill someone here and there. So that's the battle. Basically, Michael Morbius has to battle Milo. So two friends, two lifelong friends, become enemies. Now, a lot could have been developed here. But the script doesn't develop any of it. The script just, the film just goes to CGI. It's just so CGI heavy to where the action becomes almost uh, incomprehensible. In other words, there's no connection to the action. There's so much CGI that the action actually distances us from the film. And this storyline, which could have been developed of these friends from childhood that part ways because of this newfound cure, which makes them into vampires. But that's really not developed at all. In fact, the the Matt Smith character, Matt Smith is fantastic, by the way, and the the performance is great. Matt Smith is a great actor, and he has a lot of fun with his character becoming a vampire and getting had this newfound life and energy. Um, But the problem is you, you you kind of don't, the character's so undeveloped, you don't really believe that transition. You don't really believe that he wouldn't care that he's becoming a, you know, a cold-blooded murderer just in order to have energy and be able to, uh, just be able to feel strong. So, so the script is so underdeveloped and the CGI is so laden and heavy that the characters just kind of get lost in it. And Matt Smith's performance gets lost in it and uh, Jared Leto's performance gets lost in it and the characters get lost in it. And unfortunately, the film kind of unravels and it kind of leaves you cold had real possibilities. There is a, there's probably a good Michael Morbius film to be made uh, when you think about the idea of a, of, a, of, a, of a person who's a doctor wanting to cure himself, wanting to cure himself and others who have this kind of affliction. But unfortunately, this doesn't really care to develop character much and just throws as much CGI up there as possible. So... Uh, has its moments, but I have to give it a C plus and really not recommend it. That's Morbius, a C plus. All right, that's in Let's Be Heard for this week. Thanks for listening. I'm Mike Chopoli. And remember, remember, vote Democrats out of office. Vote them out now. See you next week.